you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to take care of business today, as always. Hey, can you believe the first month of the year is gone? I mean, one-twelfth of the year. Out of here. Seems hard to believe. You know, I run into people who are still trying to figure out how to write 2015 on their checks and dates. You know, for some reason, this one really clicked in easily for me. I just, it just felt natural. 2015, yeah, that's a good year. Good number. Haven't any problem with that at all. I hope you're on track with the goals you've set for this year and what you want to accomplish. Hey, today's show is brought to you by Casper. I'm going to tell you how to get $50 off a mattress purchased by visiting caspersleep.com slash 48 days and using the promo code 48 days. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But anyway, I'm going to be telling you about my friends at Casper, not the friendly ghost, another kind of Casper. This one's a mattress that you're going to want. Well, are too many talents a curse instead of a gift? Now, I know that last week I kind of laid, laid that out. And um, the person who asked the question, as a matter of fact, said, hey, I heard you announce and then you never got to it. Well, I know that happens sometimes. I need to just kind of give teasers for questions in the first third of my notes or something to make sure that I get to them. Because there's a lot of times where I know there's a really great question coming up and we actually do run out of time. But anyway, we'll get to that one for sure today. Here's some other things that we'll get to as well. Dan, I'm a pastor, but I need to feed my family. Well, that's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? We'll talk about that. Dan, will you be updating the 48 days schedule? Jeez, I've had a whole bunch of you nail me on that. I'll tell you what's going on. How can I make myself an appealing candidate when I've been in a boring industry? Good question. And then, of course, we're going to talk about, is it possible for too many talents, too many interests, too many skills to be a curse instead of a gift? And someone asked, how can I make more money in my lawn mowing business without working more time? Great questions, those and more. Here's a quotation for us today. I want to jump right into our stuff here, but there, here's a quotation. It comes from Proverbs 11.25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I actually had a couple guys that I did a coaching session with recently who sent me that verse afterward, just thanking me for my time and generosity. Now they paid me very well for the coaching, but even so there was just a sense that I gave, but I want you to keep that in mind. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now I got a couple of things coming up. A lot of you have asked about our innovate conference that we did for three years. Well, it's not on our schedule for this year. It's one of those things that, just isn't there anymore. I mean, I like change. We did it. It was a blast when we did it. Um, had other people like Michael Hyatt and other people show up and share during that period of time. But I, I just felt like I wasn't delivering the value that I really wanted to, to the people that showed up. Now there's a story behind that, but anyway, we're not doing innovate anymore. It was for, you know, creative people, but I am partnering with my good friend, Ken Davis on an event that we're making very similar to what Innovate was. 
It's called Launch. Now, he's been doing Launch for a long time, but it's been focused on people who want to be professional speakers. So we're broadening that scope a little bit so that it does welcome people who are authors and coaches and musicians and artists, people with a message that you want to share. How can you leverage that message and share it? in a way that gives you a lot of satisfaction and profitability. Well, that's what launch is all about. I'll put a, a link to that in our notes for today. But if you go to, well, man, it's hard for me to give you this. I've got a, a code that you need to use where you can get a hundred dollars off that event. It's going to be in April in Orlando, beautiful resort hotel in Orlando. And we're going to have a pre-conference opportunity, but have time to spend time with you guys if you have an idea that you really want to shape and launch, but uh, just check the podcast notes. It's the easiest way for me. It's a complicated URL, but you'll get a hundred dollars off if you register. And I'd love to see you there. Of course, we got coaching with excellence. Our first event, by the time you hear this will already be over for this year it was sold out max to the gills, actually way beyond what we normally like to have in that group. But so many of you wanting to, position yourself as coaches and that's exciting to us we want to help you do that we have two more events coming up yet this year those are going to be in june and in i think it's in june in june and in september but anyway check that out on our schedule of events if you're interested in positioning yourself as a coach well let's go into our success stories here got one that's that's quite quite lengthy here from kathy i'm going to just give you a synopsis of it because it's a really cool story wow as i look at it yeah it's three pages typewritten but here's the deal you know that i talk about not being a fan of watching tv i just have a hard time seeing the value in spending a lot of time watching tv and while people are watching tv i'm creating new products and reading books and doing things that i think contribute to where i ultimately want to go but she referenced the fact that i read out of a list recently that 67% of rich people watch less than an hour of TV a day. And I also gave the number of poor people who do watch more than an hour a day. There seems to be a connection there. Certainly, you know, this is not one of those research studies where it's cause and effect. We're just kind of taking observations at this point. But yeah, 67% of rich folks watch less than an hour of TV a day. Certainly makes sense for me. Well, Kathy went through her addiction to watching TV and how she justified that. And even in changing positions, you know, she spends a lot of time watching TV. Now she's usually knitting or doing something while she's watching TV, but realized she was spending a lot of time watching TV and really was pretty offended. Well, she says your question offended me. Your explanation that 67% of rich people watch less than an hour of TV a day seemed illogical. Yes, we all know the people with a holier-than-thou attitude. I don't even own a TV, but none of them ever seem richer than I am. I've achieved everything I set my heart on. I've never let the TV watching keep me from reaching my career goals. However, as I started to think about this, the fact that I have no idea where four weeks went by, she talked about how, boom, a month went by, and she couldn't even think about what she had done, and except she knew she had watched a whole lot of TV. So Kathy says, your question in his writing uh, blog, she references, opened my eyes to the sad truth. All these things that I didn't have time to do, dinner with a friend, organizing my classes ahead of time, prepping lectures and handouts, months, not days in advance. I had the time. I honestly can't tell you what about the TV held me hostage 
other than it helped me escape from things that were quite honestly slightly overwhelming. I put my remote away on Monday and haven't picked it up since. Yes, it's only been three days, but the level of control I have attained and the things I've gotten done far exceed what I thought I could do with that time. My knitting has suffered, but overall I feel more relaxed, more engaged, and much more connected to my work in the pursuit of my long-term goals. I also don't feel drained by the constant nostalgia of memories past. They were nice to visit, but I think grandma would much prefer me to live my life than sit and watch TV shows that remind me of her. I thank you sincerely for your simple question. It's timing was heaven sent. I'm sure. Now, you know, I love that. And I'm going to go ahead and just introduce right here our piece from Queen. I've got lots of success stories. We, we may devote a, an entire podcast to just those. Uh, I sent out a note to some of our groups just yesterday talking about all the people. I had list and list of people who are doing some pretty spectacular things. But I want to jump into the questions that we've got here. So if you've got a success story, feel free to shoot it into us. Just go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link. You'll see a red starburst there. You can share your story there. Or you can just send it to me directly at askdan at 48days.com. Thank you, Freddie Mercury and the gang, for reminding us you're champion. Easy to put yourself in that group. Now, I mentioned that today's show, our sponsor today is Casper. Now, this is one of those things where you think, how does this tie in with, you know, making money, having a business? Well, it's one of those lifestyle things. It's one of those things that I take very seriously that I want to be rested, well rested. I'm one of these guys that I don't try to push through, you know, if I'm tired, I don't try to just push through and do more. I'm not the guy that sets the alarm clock one minute earlier every morning. So I'm going to wean myself from sleep. I think that stuff is ridiculous. Frankly, you need to be rested. Your brain and mind and spirit and body need to be rested. So I take that very seriously. Now, Joanna and I always have. I mean, I haven't used an alarm clock in years and years and years because I wake up when I'm rested. I go to bed when I'm tired, wake up when I'm rested. What a novel idea. <clears throat> well, we were introduced to Casper mattresses, I don't know, some maybe six months ago or so. They sent one to us. I opened it here when we had a mastermind group here. We opened it here at the sanctuary. It came in a box that UPS delivers, so it's really an interesting kind of presentation. But that means that you can get get it shipped right to your door. You don't, don't have to go down to the store, tie it onto the top of your car, and hope it doesn't blow off when you get home, all that kind of garbage. Nope, it comes to you in a box. We opened it, and it has been an amazing addition to the Meller household. We have people fight over it. I told you recently about my sister-in-law who Slept in till 9.30 in the morning when she usually gets up at 5. Obviously, her body needed a good place to rest, and she got it there. Well, this week, Joanne's been a little under the weather. She has just kind of the spring crud stuffiness in her head, and she suggested several nights ago now that uh, maybe she ought to go into one of the other rooms in the house. Now, I really love our bed. You know, we, we do have... A mattress, it's not a Casper that we sleep on normally. We have Casper now in a couple of our guest rooms. But anyway, she should suggest that perhaps she should go into another room. So being the manly guy and wanting to take care of my wife, I said, no, that's okay. I'll go in one other room. She says, no, really? You know, you're used to your sleeping area. You can sleep here. I'll go in another. I said, no, 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 no. I'll go in another room. Now, remember the story of Br'er Rabbit? Remember Br'er Rabbit? 
Brer Fox was trying to catch him. He was doing everything he could to catch the rabbit and just couldn't seem to, to get him. And he finally made a little, um, what do you, a little tar baby, maybe a little tar baby, put it on the, the path. And sure enough, he hid in the bushes and here came Brer Rabbit along, got himself stuck in the tar baby. Boom. The fox comes out and jumps in and says, you know, now I've got you. He says, finally, I got you, rabbit. He says, maybe I should roast you over a fire and eat you. Ah, that's made too much trouble. Maybe I'll hang you instead. And Brer Rabbit said, roast me, hang me, do whatever you please. But please, please don't throw me in the briar patch. And the fox says, you know, I'm going to hang you. I'll need some string. I don't have any string handy, but you know, there's a stream here. Maybe I'll drown you. And the, and the little rabbit says, drown me, roast me, hang me, do whatever you please, but please, just please don't throw me in the briar patch. Well, you know how that story goes. The fox says, well, that must be the worst possible thing that would happen. I'll throw him in the briar patch. He'll get torn to shreds. He threw the rabbit in the briar patch. Bear rabbit let out a just piercing scream as he just was thrown into the briar patch. And then there was silence. Brer Fox thought, man, I finally got the rabbit. I ripped him to shreds, but he didn't hear anything. And a little bit, he, he hears a sound coming from another area and he looks up and there's Brer Rabbit sitting on top of the hill a little way, smiling at the fox because he tricked him. It wasn't really painful to throw him into the briar patch. That's kind of how I felt with Joanne saying, yeah, maybe one of us ought to sleep in another room. Hey, please don't make me leave my bed. Well, I just went in and slept on the Casper mattress. Woke up this morning, as a matter of fact. Told, told Joanne, I said, I never got out of bed once last night. I usually get up sometime during the night, wander around a little bit, go back to bed. Never got up once. Boy, it's just that kind of sleeping experience. Casper mattress. Well, anyway, without going into more of my stories, you know, it, it just, I can't really describe the combination of latex foam and memory foam just come together. They've blended it in a really superb way. Um, mattresses are made right here in America. Of course, you'll be amazed at how this thing is engineered. Uh, the pricing is really reasonable. I mean, it's 500 for a twin size, 950 for a king size. I think the queen is like 850, but here's the deal. You can get 50% or 50%, $50 off a purchase of a mattress that'll be delivered right to your door along with free shipping if you use this code. So if you go to caspersleep.com slash 48 days, and then use the promo code 48 days. You're going to get $50 off plus free shipping right to your door. What a deal. Well, Adam says, oh, this, okay. A couple quick updates here. Dad, Adam says, it's been a while since I've heard any update about the lady who has a car savings fund with you. How's she doing? Well, she's doing extremely well. As a matter of fact, this Saturday, we're going to be uh, going to her house. For a little party because her husband is just getting out of prison. He's been in prison for quite a while. He's getting out. So we're going to go have a celebration party, but she's doing extremely well. Thank you for asking. Yes, she has a fund here that's growing. Um, she's started her own house fund and um, she's just doing extremely well. Just one of those kind of success stories that you like to see where a lady spent a lot of time in, in prison. Their success rate is not very good when they come out. Most of them end up back in prison again because it's a lot easier than dealing with the challenges of real life. But uh, Joanne, my wife, is 
mentored her, nurtured her along. Uh, we've given her some help here and there, but she's doing really, really well on her own at this point. Thanks for asking. Well, this comes from Esteban, who says, I've listened to your podcast for a while. I'm ashamed to tell you that I've not made my break. Rather, I've failed from one project to the next. The reason is because I can't find something monetizable that I feel comfortable selling. As a pastor, church planner, I feel like preaching and Bible teaching should be free. At the same time, I need to feed my family. I finally found a niche I believe in and feel confident in selling products. I've created a website titled Restore Manhood. It's about restoring masculinity according to the Bible. I want to know how you would connect with leaders, what kind of products you feel would work for this model. There are many books in this niche, so I know it can work. Thanks. Well, I think it's a great idea that you've come up with. Restore Manhood. I looked at the site. It looks nicely done. And I think you can provide there. You can provide, you know, retreats, conferences, personal coaching, books, eBooks, webinars, audio programs. I mean, those are the kind of things where you take intellectual property, which is what you're talking about and leverage it. So you give a variety of services and products for people that they can purchase. And incidentally, this challenge in, you know, you feel like preaching and Bible teaching should be free. I know that's a really great area for a lot of you where you want to do something that you would couch as ministry and yet you want to create income from it. Well, there's a whole lot of us that are doing that out here. I mean, if you look at what Dave Ramsey is doing with his financial information, my goodness, I mean, he has a generous heart. He gives and gives and gives and serves, but look at what has happened. A whole lot of people have gotten in better shape financially and Dave has done pretty well financially as well. I don't think that's any secret at all. You're going to drive by and, Look at his house and properties that he owns around town. I mean, he's done pretty well. I mean, what I do, I mean, is this just a money making business or is it something that serves people? Well, this, what I do grew out of a Sunday school class. Most of you have heard me tell that story. It was just ministry that I was doing, just free serving people. But it grew and grew and grew and people kept asking for products and services and it grew into what we have today as 48 days. Well, you can do that. I mean, I just worked with a couple of guys. As a matter of fact, the guys who sent me the verse about being generous are a couple of guys who started, have just started a new program called Rusty Lion Academy. I mean, check it out. They've got a beautiful a website and beautiful overview of what they're going to do and coaching young guys being successful in their business. And they've got workshops, retreats, personal coaching. Now, without sharing any of their hidden secrets, I mean, their goals, financial goals for the first year is to net a half a million dollars in what they're doing. I mean, there's a whole lot of ways that you can serve people well, that you can do things that we would traditionally couch as ministry and yet do really well financially. I mean, for one thing, keep in mind, I'm going to use this as a quotation for today. When people don't pay, they don't pay attention. I mean, too often we get caught up in this mentality that we would just want to give it because it's ministry. Well, if it's free, it doesn't have much perceived value. We've seen that played out time and time again. People value things more if they've got some skin in a game. I mean, when we have seminars that are done in churches, we don't encourage the church to provide a way for everybody to come free. We encourage people to have some skin in the game. They pay more attention. They invest more in the process. They get better results. So don't apologize about charging for things that serve people well. 
everybody wins in that scenario. Everybody wins. Well, great question. Hey, I got another one here that's kind of related to that. It comes from Jake who says, uh, my wife and I are at a stage where we're beginning the behind the scenes work to establish our business. We've been given insight into the human heart and how we relate to God and each other. Uh, we've both had long periods where we suffered abuse, some self-inflicted, but Jesus has given us tremendous healing in key areas. And we now feel that we're supposed to offer ourselves to help guide others through this process. We would love to be sort of like a ransomed heart in terms of outreach, doing writing, speaking, conferences, retreats, video series, podcast. There you go. That's a great list of things that a previous listener here can, can add to what he's doing with the restoring manhood uh, and other ways to reach people with this message that is so key to our life together. We aren't sure if we want to go a traditional route or a nonprofit. I know we would love to eventually find a second home here in the Colorado mountains to act as a mentorship center Please offer me advice or point me in a direction other than hiring a lawyer. We absolutely plan on doing that, but not at this stage. And then he says, we live about 45 minutes from Kevin, my son, and I've run into him a few times in Woodland Park and even at the Wild at Heart Boot Camp. Well, I'm reading through. There's more here. Okay, here's the deal, Jake. Man, I love your idea. And, and if you want to be like Ransomed Heart, I mean, if you go to a Ransomed Heart event, you go to Wild Heart Boot Camp, you pay for that. And I just pulled that up. They have tuition for most of their boot camps are $485. Um, that doesn't include transportation to and from the event. Sure, they make money doing that. Now, here's my, uh, go check out what Rusty Lion is doing. They're in, um, let's see, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Not Colorado, but close, Jackson Hole. But you check out what they're doing. It'll give you a good model. And certainly check out, you know, Ransomed Heart. I mean, you can see what they're doing with all the products and services like you want to create here and what you're doing as well. Certainly a legitimate business model. My encouragement is don't make it a nonprofit. Here's what that says to me. If you decide that you're going to do another Ransomed Heart or you're going to do some kind of a you know, some kind of a program where you help people live together better, find their best selves, you know, be more godly as men and women, however you want to create your model here. And you say, okay, now this is a nonprofit. So I need you to give me money for what we want to do. What that really tells me is you haven't been able to figure out a way to make this thing stand on its own. It's not a viable business. It's just something where you want other people to give you money so you can play around and, you know, just kind of do your little ministry thing. I don't want to make light of that, but I just think it's a real weak, weak way to start. Do what my buddies Bill and Robert are doing with Rusty Lion Academy, where you have projections for the first year to net half a million dollars. Then you've got a real business. Then you've got something that's attractive. Then you've got something that'll be really fun for people to come to you can do really classy events and make it just spectacular. Those are the kind of things that, are, that appeal to people. The nonprofit you're admitting right out of the gate. And eh, this doesn't really make sense as a business, but I just kind of want to play around and have my own needs met by other people who are successful in their business, giving me their hard earned money. It's just a really weak way to start, frankly. Well, Joel says, now, we, we could go on. I, I'm sure there's a lot of you who are, you know, involved in nonprofits and have reasons why they are nonprofits. And I don't have time to unpack all of those. Certainly, that's true in some cases, but most it's not, frankly. That's a pretty weak model to start. And more and more nonprofits are struggling because it is a weak business model. 
You can be a, a social entrepreneurship. You can be an ethical capitalistic company. You can be a B corporation. There's all kinds of legitimate models for structuring businesses that fund themselves and still serve people really well. Joel says, Dan, 2014 was a year of great success for me. I had the highest sales in my company, monetized a content marketing strategy for my music lesson business, successfully established a music festival, started a church, and I'm part of a very successful band in Baton Rouge. Well, that's a list of accomplishments. I just left my job and I'm looking for new sales marketing work in a more creative, progressive environment. My previous job was in the dry cleaning business, which is very conservative. How can I communicate that I'm a forward thinker and have the skills to work in a creative atmosphere when my previous job seems so boring? I'd love to work in a marketing, advertising, or media company, but feel discouraged about communicating my value to potential employers. I'd greatly appreciate any advice. Your work is an inspiration. Thanks, Joel. Well, thanks for your question, Joel. I love how you frame this, and I think we got an easy way to, to position yourself. Focus on your areas of competence, not your past employers or specific job titles. So you want to make your resume more functional than chronological. So you want to really highlight what are those cool things that you do that make you remarkable. Now think about if I'm looking for a lawnmower and I see a description that says this machine cuts your grass. It will start every time it's green and the paint won't peel. It only uses 50 cents worth of gas for every half acre that you mowed. Well, there's a lot of factual information about that lawnmower, right? Well, what if instead, you know, I saw some little video that, that showed, wow, with this mower, you're going to be the talk of your entire town. I mean, your neighbors are going to be drooling when they see your lawn You'll wish the grass grew faster just so you could get out there and mow it one more time. I mean, when your kids play in the grass, they'll think they're on a high-class carpet. I mean, your lawn is going to thank you for making this decision. I I mean, just get a sense of how different those descriptions are. So when you describe what you bring as value to a company, don't just be factual about your work history. I mean, you want your resume to be a sales brochure for where you want to go, not just a chronological snapshot of where you've been. And you do that just by changing how you describe yourself. You know, I've I've got another question coming up here that'll relate more to that, that I'm, I'm make sure I'll reference back to your question, Joel, but you can do that. I don't care if you did come out of a boring industry, if you really are a candidate for a sales and marketing or media advertising company, then show work that you've done that makes you a candidate for that. I mean, show uh, some blogs that you've done, show some actual work that you've done that makes you a candidate. You don't need to focus on what you've been doing at all. I mean, we work with people all the time who, who make dramatic changes in career focus simply by describing what it is that they're a candidate for now. I mean, you can, move from something totally you can get out of dentistry if you're a dentist or out of medical if you're an md we've got plenty of people who are we're working with right now that are doing those very things you may not even describe the degrees that you have just describe the skills that make you remarkable for moving into the area where you want to go okay here's another question this is kind of related to the uh, my example of the lawnmower um i have a lawn service for which that the way that I started about 18 years ago, I worked by myself when I started the business, I could work as much and as long as I wanted to, which meant more 
money than 12 years ago. We had a child and as she has grown, my schedule has now been built around her activities. So the bottom line is less money. I need to find a way to drive or grow the business without hiring additional help. My income has been flat now for several years. Okay. What you've got to do is move yourself away from just being paid for your time. If you're being paid X number of dollars for your time, then there's only so many hours in the day, so many hours in the week, and you're going to be limited where if you work fewer hours, yes, your income is down or flat. Even in what you're doing, mowing yards, look for ways that where you get paid for projects rather than just raw time. I mean, right now, as I speak, my yard beauty manager and his crew are on our property. I pay him a whole lot more than I do the guys that mow the grass because they bring unique value to what they're doing. They maintain our water features. They establish our flower beds, put in new nature trails, trim trees. Those are things I I don't track their hours. We have a monthly retainer that they're paid. And then when they do extra projects like put in irrigation or lighting or something, those are additional projects, but, but they're paid to keep my property looking beautiful. They're not paid by the hour, but look for other ways that you can leverage the value that you bring to your customers where that you're now mowing grass for. In addition to the regular work that needs to be done. I mean, you can, you can find more customers. There are two ways traditionally to, make more money. That is to find more customers or sell more to the customers you already have. What I would encourage you to do is look at the customers you already have and look at the additional value that you could bring to them. What about water features? What about gazebos? What about stamped concrete sidewalks? What about unique stonework? You know, what about unique landscaping areas that you could bring in or you you do add irrigation and lighting. Look for things like that that you could do that will dramatically increase your income without dramatically increasing the time required. So increase the value, not the time. Well, a couple questions here from John and Colleen and on and on and on and Mary and Bob and Tom. All of you have said, hey, what's the deal? I've got your new 48 days to the work you love. And when I go on your site and look at the worksheet for the 48 days schedule, it doesn't correspond. Yep. You're right. You caught me red handed. You're, you're right. It's just, it's just the timing. It's one of these things we've been working on a new website for really six months, you know, deep, deep kind of taking it back down to the foundation questioning everything that I do, all those little things that have crept in, you know, we've really done a design blueprint and now the new website is being built. And of course our target date for having the new website up was January 1st. Well, you see where we are in that process. It's not up yet. Now it's totally built. We've been tweaking it on the back. It's totally built. All we have to do is flip the switch. And by the time you're hearing this, we will have flipped the switch. You can go check it out. 48 days.com brand new website. And All those things that we're talking about. Yes, I have done the new schedule. It's totally finished. I apologize for not being up there when the book is actually out. We haven't done much to promote the new book yet because of these very things. But yeah, it's available on Amazon and through bookstores and all that. And a whole lot of you have let me know that there are some things that don't line up. Just go back there again. Go back to the link that's given in the book, 48days.com slash worksheets and you see all the additional material there 
to correspond with the new book and the schedule will hopefully be updated by the time you're hearing my voice here. It is finished. I've given it to our team and it is, there's a whole lot of modifications done on that. Absolutely. Again, thanks for your note and thanks for feeling free to call me out on that. You're absolutely right. Well, just take a breath here. And just a reminder that if you're listening to real questions, real people, just like you, if you got a question about what you're confronted in your work situation or starting a business, feel free to shoot that in. I'd love to introduce it into an upcoming radio show right here. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, look for the red starburst. You can put it in there. Or as a whole lot of you have figured out, you can, you know, it's, it's funny in the little red starburst, we encourage you to limit your question to 60 words. Well, most of you have heard me say you can send it directly to askdan at 48days.com. And obviously with that, there's no limitation. Thus, I get the four and five page questions. But uh, again, be realistic about what we can include here. A lot of those that are really too long are very difficult to include here. Well, here's, here's an example, but I'm going to do a synopsis like I often do. This comes from John who says, I'm working through the 40-day schedule. I'm struggling with day 19. This is where you say spend two hours with your city directory or national business search engine where you can get a brief company history and profile and the names of proper contact people. Now, here's the deal. He's saying, how do you do this long term? How do you find the individuals who are the points of contact? And it got a whole bunch of questions. And I got this pretty clearly laid out in the new version of 48days.com in the search job search strategy there you can do this in another city and one of the things about doing a job search is you don't want to wait and just look at companies that have positions posted that are open now this may seem counterintuitive to what you've always thought and been taught but trust me if you see a position that's been listed you've already lost your best window of opportunity for that what you're seeing 700 other people who have better qualifications than you have seen the same thing. You've lost your window of opportunity. So the job searches we lay it out that's been so successful for people for many years is to take the initiative, contact companies where you think there would be a potential match. It doesn't matter if they don't have anything available. It doesn't matter if they say, geez, we don't have anything open. Why are you contacting us? It's still in that process that we find the 87% of jobs that are in what we call the hidden job arena that are never promoted or posted anywhere. I mean, recognize it's kind of a last ditch effort for a company to post an opening, knowing that they're going to be flooded with candidates. And there's some legal requirements in terms of keeping resumes, all that kind of garbage. It's a complicated process to post for an opening. So if you contact a company and say, Hey, here's my skills. I'm going to wow you with bringing value to your company. And they say, geez, we're looking for somebody like you. How about if you come in, on Thursday at two o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, that's exactly what you want. And that's the response that you're likely to get when you take the initiative. You can do that long distance, not a big deal at all. Companies are, uh, they work with you on face-to-face interviews. You can say, I'm going to be coming to your town two weeks from now. I'm going to spend three days. When during that three days, can we meet? I mean, just stay in the driver's seat in a job search, which is certainly what you ought to do. Well, let me grab a couple more here. Steven, says, I've decided to compile all my original T-shirt ideas, jokes, riddles, puns, songs, hooks, etc., into a book of my life work. This is the quirky, inspirational, humorous stuff I've developed throughout my 35-year adult life. 
For years, I've thought about and even tried to start a silkscreen t-shirt business, songwriting, joke books, cartoonist, etc., but really didn't know how to get it off the ground. Since I have a million ideas that go in a million directions, I thought I would compile them all into one volume. I've narrowed my book down to about 300 pages. That's one joke, thought, idea, cartoon per page. Would this be considered putting all my eggs in one basket? My hope is that it will be a successful publishing venture as well as generating licensing opportunities for T-shirts, cartoon syndication, et cetera. Thanks for all your time. Stephen, Stephen, yeah, it would be considered putting all your eggs in one basket. And my advice would be don't do that. I mean, now we know we have the old Andrew Carnegie, you know, encouragement, put all your eggs in one basket and then watch that basket. Frankly, I've never done that. I don't like to have all my eggs in one basket. And in this case, well, I mean, instead of me trying to undo what Andrew Carnegie encouraged us to do, let me just jump into this. You're going to put every, every, all your ideas, your ideas, jokes, puns, songs, all your inspirational things together in a book of 300 pages. Nobody is going to pick that sucker up. 300 pages is way too long what you're describing. Don't try to put your whole life in one book. That's a mistake that a lot of beginning authors do. They want to put everything of value into one book. Don't do that. I mean, I would encourage you to take what you're describing here and make it maybe 70 pages long. Find your best material, make your readers want more, whet their appetite. I mean, any book that you do should lead readers to more that you have to offer. View this first book just kind of as a business card. That's all you want it to be, but you want it then to lead people to more that you offer. I mean, you could do workshops and seminars. You could have other books, but I don't care what you have of value. Don't make it 300 pages long. It'll be used as a boat anchor somewhere, but nobody's going to pick that sucker up and read it. So anyway, do that. Hey, a lot, a lot more there. I think you're on the right track, but just, yeah, just carve it down. I mean, I've got... The Rudder of the Day, which is one of our best-selling products, has been for years. That is 91 short blogs that really were little articles I had in my newsletter over the years. Now, how easy would, would it be to make versions 2, 3, 4, and 5 of that? Now, we get a lot of requests for that. I may pull one of those together this year, but just take another. Yeah, now, in there, there are 90. But again, that means that it's about 90 pages long. Don't try to put everything. If I put everything that I ever wrote in there in one book or all the blogs that I did, it would be massive, but it would be so burdensome. I mean, the, the thing that we have, you, know, you can have it in the bathroom somewhere, pick it up, open it anywhere, read one. That's what you're describing as well. Make it short, 70 to 80 pages max. Okay, this comes from Merle, who says, uh, I'm starting my own business, a commercial roofing. I'm really excited as I have a job lined up for the spring. I'm considering adding a roof cleaning service to my business as well. Not sure what kind of solution I would use, so any input on that would be great. The main question I have is this. Am I better off just to focus on the commercial roofing and not do the roof cleaning, which would be more on the residential side of roofing? There might be some commercial too, because a split focus, I'll still have to have part-time work with my current employer until I get too busy, which is the ultimate goal. Well, Merle, you know, if you're great in roofing, it's not going to take you that long to be full-time, to break away from what you're doing now, a traditional job, whatever that is, and do this. I mean, there's, I mean, when you think about this is the kind of thing where you don't need, you know, 300 customers next month. You need two or three. 
with the kind of jobs that you'd be doing. And you're home free. So, I mean, the, the number of customers you need is so small, you ought to be able to launch yourself into full-time really quickly. Now, with what you're describing, there are, as I just mentioned, two ways to make more money. You can find more customers or sell more to your current customers. So if you have customers that are established, they may not be ready for a new roof, but they may be a candidate for a cleaning of their roof. Sure, I don't think that's a compromise or splitting your efforts at all. I think that's still a very clear focus. You're the roof guy. Whether you need it cleaned or replaced, boom. Merle is the guy to go see. I think it sounds great to do both. Okay, here's one that I promised to get to. Boy, I better get this in here this time. This is about having too many talents. Dan, I, I just started a new job, blah, blah, blah. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I seem to be stuck. This is one of those very long questions again. I'm going to go right to the point. Ray says, all ego aside, is it possible for too many talents, interests, and skills to be a curse instead of a gift? Admittedly, I have ADD, and that surely doesn't help. But I've been getting treatment, and that has allowed me to focus better. Now, it still seems that I have a significant fear of committing 100% to a specific business interest because I feel unsure which one is the best use of what I have been put here to do. I've heard we can't chase more than one rabbit. So I get stuck while watching them all run away like a wolf with five rabbits all going in different directions. Well, we got a lot of fox wolf rabbit analogies today. Well, you're, you know, that's true. That's true. If you're chasing a lot of them. Now, here's the thing though, as a creative person, having a lot of areas of interest and a lot of talents, a lot of things that you know you can do is a great, great starting point. Now, hear me clearly on that. It is a great starting point true you can't stay there i know a lot of very creative people who talk with pride about all the ideas they have and they've never executed on any of them and they don't have two nickels to rub together so keep in mind having the ideas doesn't put any money in your bank account zero ideas are a dime a dozen implementation execution does so ultimately you have to have an idea where you implement. So here's what I would suggest you do. Take 30 days, give yourself 30 days to come up with all those wonderful ideas, as many as you want, make it a long list, but then narrow down to the four or five that best fit you, that best fit what you know about yourself. So that's a screening filter for you. Then do a little bit more research, choose the best one and act on it. And give yourself a year where you don't second guess yourself. You don't look over your shoulder. Now that doesn't mean that you just throw all those other ideas away. You'll never come back to them. Believe me, they resurface. I've got ideas that resurfaced after 25 years of laying dormant. And I realized it really was something that I was interested in. And I go back and pick it up and love to do that. So that's okay. But to have any power of motion and profitability at all, you do need to focus on one thing that you're going to do. Now, in that one thing, I mean, if you take what I do and you hear me talk about it, you know, I'm not just an author, but I'm also a speaker, a coach. We produce products. We do eBooks. I have affiliate relationships. I mean, I can go on and on and on with the things that leverage what I do, but it's still under one umbrella. It's not like on Mondays I'm writing books and on Tuesdays I'm selling cars and on Thursdays I'm mowing yards. I mean, there's not that kind of diversification. Everything that I do is under one umbrella, but I still have a lot of variety in what I do because with my own tendency for ADD, I'd get bored out of my mind if I was doing only one thing in terms of the actual application. Wow. That, that's a great question. And we could, um, 
we could park there and stay there forever. Okay, let me look ahead here. All right, well, let me take one more of Ray's questions. He's got a bunch of them. This one's a big issue, and odds are you've discussed it many times, but I haven't heard it on your podcast or in your book yet. How do you get a reluctant spouse to support efforts in a side business or calling if they have a different vision of security and work than you do? I love my wife more than I can say. In the past few months, while steadily listening to your podcast of yours and others and reading books, my mind has completely changed on the attitudes about work, retirement, and job security. Now I feel that I must move toward my goals, interests, and passions and create our future instead of relying on the goodwill and choices of my employer. I certainly am not going to quit my job, but I feel that my wife is so much more comfortable with me earning an average income in a company, even though we're barely making ends meet because she feels it's so much more secure. Now, to add to the confusion, two of my friends gave me completely different advice. One friend suggested that I should discuss my thoughts and feelings with my wife in detail and then slowly lay out my dreams, goals, and get her agreement before moving into any efforts, even if there's little or no risk. The downside to this is that she seems to get really nervous that I'm not going to stay in the job I have if I bring it up. My other friend who's a successful and headstrong entrepreneur suggested that the best move was to make small efforts that wouldn't rock the boat too much to get some cash coming in before a big discussion on career change. His opinion was, was that once money was clearly linked to the efforts, then it's easier to win anyone over. I see merit in both options. Obviously I don't want to deceive my wife, but perhaps it would be better to not disclose the extent of my dreams until they can turn some profits and make it appear more of a hobby first although this doesn't feel entirely good either. I wasn't sure if this fit into the compassionate honesty category or the selfish justification category. All thoughts and ideas of yours, I'm sure would be enormously helpful. Your lighthouse in the storm. Great, man. We could write a book on each of your questions there today. I am firmly in advice number two. That is not to try to talk your wife into being excited about what you're doing at this point, but just go ahead and start doing some little things. Yeah. Where you're not jeopardizing your current job. You can couch it as a hobby or whatever, but boom, all of a sudden you have a couple thousand bucks coming in a month on the side from something you're doing. That is the best thing you can do to take care of her concerns, her fear about you doing something else. I mean, success is the greatest revenge and it's also the greatest lubricant. (laughs) It's the greatest lubricant for the resistance of a spouse who says, no, don't rock the boat. Just keep your, keep your real job. I mean, start doing something. So you put action behind all these great ideas that you have. Your wife is probably tired of hearing you talk about all the things you could do and that you'd like to do that you dream about doing. Just start doing something where it starts bringing in some income. I think that is going to be the best way to get her approval and get her on board. Well, wonderful questions. Hey, again, thanks for being part of this journey that we're on. I love hearing from you all, the listeners. I, I love this part of my own week where I get the opportunity to open your amazing questions, discuss life together with you. Uh, keep those coming in. Uh, get involved in the 48days.net community. If you aren't, that's a great place to share ideas and resources and have others that, that do the same right there. So just keep us posted as we're all in this process together. Well, we're going to do that. We're going to just bring up this uh, amazing song that Todd and Emily shared with us here. 
A lot of you have been asking for it, so we'll make that kind of our outro for the indefinite future here. But thanks for being part of this community where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. The clock is ticking, so don't delay. It's gonna take your whole heart. It's gonna take all you've got. Jesus.